Um, how's everybody doing today, by the way? All right, I'm sorry if you ran to the coffee, the brand new coffee area, and there wasn't coffee this morning, because I think like a GFI popped in the kitchen, and maybe Mark Carmine will look at that later or something. He's our build, building guy, but coffee is not something we mess around with here at J-Road, all right? It's just not. So it caused panic. Nothing else causes panic. That causes panic. But it's the back there. There's coffee back there. If you need to grab a cup, do it. Um, but I'm excited to talk to you guys today about prayer. And then at the end, um, instead of breaking off with groups at the end, we're going to just break off and pray on our own, you know, wherever we're at and pray on our own today. Um, because today's about the part in the Lord's Prayer um, we'll talk about in a moment where Jesus says, you know, this is how you are to pray. Lord, forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. <clears throat> and another way to translate that is, Lord, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so that's kind of what we're talking about today. But really, before I jump into that, I want to just share something about prayer, prayers that maybe it's on your mind or maybe you thought about. Like, to preface what I'm going to say, to preface the preface, you know, I, I firmly believe, and I've heard this before, maybe you've heard it before, that God answers all our prayers, right? Like no prayers go, goes unanswered, right? You might just not get the answer that you wanted from God. And you might say, well, he didn't answer my prayer. Well, he did. He just said no, <laughs> right? We prayed and he said no, you know. So I, I heard it said that all prayers are answered this way by God, either a yes, either a no, or wait. Yes, no, or wait. And that's part of our aligning our will with God, right? And trusting that God's will is great and God knows what it is, right? Um, God said, anything you ask in my name, I'll give to you because I'm a good and perfect father. But he also says, if it's not according to my will, I won't. And so like with my kids, I want the best for my children, right? And many of you parents and grandparents want the best for your kids. But if you know, if you have a little kid, you don't give them whatever they ask for. And that's by design. It's not because you want to be mean parents. You just don't give your kids everything they ask for because we know that that wouldn't be good for them. So we, we, hold, back, we hold back some things because we know it's going to harm them in some way. Um, but, you know, I want to share this because it rolls right into what we're talking about today is there are four heart conditions that hinder our prayers. So maybe God always answers our prayers, but the Bible talks about that sometimes our prayers can be hindered, that our prayers, you know, God does not, it's like it's hindering our prayers to God. And so I'll share those real quick. So four heart conditions that hinder our prayers. The first is this, is pride and selfishness. Pride and selfishness. And that's from James 4, 3. It says, when you pray for things, you don't get them because you want them for the wrong reasons and for your own pleasures. And so he's saying, that's one way our prayers can be hindered is because of pride or because of selfishness or we're asking for selfish motives. Um, the second is unbelief. The reason our prayers might be hindered is because of unbelief. And this is from James as well. James 1, 5 through 8 says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. So that's the second way, is just through unbelief. Or you're just asking with so much doubt 
that, you know, and you're just like, I'll try, God, and I'll, you know, I'll do this. And, and you just really aren't asking in faith, and so that would be unbelief. Um, the third is unresolved conflict or unforgiveness. And this is another way that this is another heart condition that we have that would hinder our prayers. If there's unresolved conflict in their lives, our lives, or unforgiveness that we are harboring against somebody else. And this is really one of the main points we're talking about today is us forgiving other people. Um, this is very important. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says this. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that somebody, someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And so what it's talking about here is like, your gift that you're giving to God, awesome gift. Like they're talking about the sacrifice at the altar that the Jews did before Christ came. But in our term, before you write that check, like if every you guys tithe to J-Road or you give, you know, 10% of your income, it's saying it's better to stop that until you've resolved the conflict in your life. It's better just to stop giving until you resolve that. Because God's not pleased with your gift if you have conflict in your life. Does that make sense? It's better to, like, it's saying, like, God, I'm doing this good thing for you, but I am just in conflict over here. I don't want to deal with it. He's saying, stop all these good things you're doing for God and try to resolve these conflicts, okay? And so, um, in the same way, God wants us to resolve our conflict, and it could be something that could be hindering our prayers. The, th the fourth is this, unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. Psalm 66 talks about this a lot. It says, um, David said, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. And so we know that if we have unconfessed sin or sin that we're harboring, our prayers could be hindered. And so these are like the four heart conditions, pride and selfishness, unbelief, unresolved conflict or unforgiveness, and unconfessed sin. These could hinder our prayers. And it's important for us to realize that as we're going to be studying this prayer life, because we all of us need to check our hearts on a daily basis and bring these things before God and say, as David said, search me, O Lord, and see if there's any unclean way within me that I might bring it to you and receive forgiveness. And it's good that we bring that before God and, and do that and, and always give ourselves a heart check. And we're going to be taking communion today and giving you guys a space to do your own heart checks as well. Sound good? Okay. Um, so there's five parts of the model prayer we're working through as a church. We've been in it for a few weeks now. Um, is this, the first one is start your prayer time and worship God in adoration. So how do we worship God in our prayers? It's simply by praying something along the lines of, God, you are awesome, or giving God praise for what he's done or who he is. Saying, God, you created the planet Pluto with your words, and I'll never see that with my naked eye. But you created it because you're awesome. And all these galaxies, you did that, God. You're awesome. So worshiping God. The second is surrendering your will. Surrendering your will um, to God. And that's where it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And asking God's will to be here on earth as it is in heaven. And last week we talked about making requests. Ma making requests to God. And that's give us this day our daily bread. And then after he says give us this day our daily bread, he said this is how you are to pray. And the fourth part is asking forgiveness of our sins. So in our prayer life, we worship God, we surrender our will to God, we ask for things, but we also have a time of confession, okay? We confess our sins to God in prayer. And we do this on a daily basis. 
All right? We daily just ask God to forgive us of our sins. But it, he doesn't just say, forgive us, forgive us of our debts. He says, as we forgive our debtors. So forgive us of our sins and for, help me forgive those who sinned against me. Very, very, very important part. Um, and he talks about that in a minute. And I'll talk about that. What, what, so after the Lord's Prayer, he tags on this whole section about, hey, you need to forgive other people. This is really, really important. Okay? So really, the first part is daily coming to God and asking for forgiveness. So this should be part of our normal prayer life is, God, forgive me of, of my sins. And, and we come to Jesus for forgiveness every day. And so if you are here and you're a Christian, we all have come to Jesus for forgiveness of our sins once and for all, right? Like through the cross, Jesus, like when we come and ask Jesus to come into our hearts as our Lord and Savior, he forgives us of, of all of our sins, past, future, and present, right? That's more of like what we call in the church world positional sanctification. So in our position, we are sanctified and we're made holy before God. So if any of us here, you know, if we pass on from this life at any moment, you know, we're going to be with him. And when we ask forgiveness on a daily basis, it's not like we're bouncing in and out of heaven. Does that make sense? Like we sin and we get hit by a bus and we're going to hell because that sin wasn't forgiven. That's not true. Like we're forgiven once and for all. But daily we come to God and repent because we, all of us have a flesh, right? We have a flesh that's going to be pulling us away from God on a daily basis. And we always have to come back to God and repent. And so if we have a sin that we know we're doing, we bring it to God and ask for forgiveness, and he's faithful and just to forgive us. And we got to commit to not doing it again, right? We just, we've sinned, we messed up, we give it to God, and we move on. See, God, many times when we sin, we feel like, I can't go to God right now because I sinned, right? We feel like, I screwed up, so there's a barrier between me and God. And oftentimes we stay away from God in prayer. It, or we stay away from God in, um, we stay away from the church. We stay away from our missional community because we've sinned and we feel bad. And, you know, that's not God's heart. Satan in the Bible is called the accuser of the brethren in the book of Revelation. So Satan is the one who points the finger at you and brings guilt and brings shame on you. That's not from God. Guilt is not an emotion that God wants us to feel. That's from Satan. So Satan is accusing us, saying, look at this person. Look at this woman. Look what she did. Look what she did. And it says he accuses us constantly before the Father. And God says, they've been forgiven. They've repented. I've covered them by the blood of Jesus. All I see is pure white when I look at one of you guys because we are positionally sanctified before God. So our sin shouldn't keep us from God. It should be keep us to run to God because he's faithful and just to forgive us. Amen? So the Bible teaches us to daily confess our sins to God. And that's a really good habit we should do. And if there's a sin that's on your mind, you could always ask God to forgive him, forgive you. Um, and so that's good. But he adds something else. And so he makes a point in this model prayer to say, and also be sure that you are forgiving other people in your life. This is very, very important. Make sure that you're forgiving others. So if you are not, if you are like new to the Bible, forgiveness of others is a huge deal in the Bible. Anybody ever heard of the, the math equation 70 times 7? Right? What does 70 times 7 mean? 
yeah, that's how many times I'm supposed to forgive. <laughs> that was like the <laughs> that was like brought me back to my Sunday school, high school youth pastor days. Seventy. T- so the people came up to Jesus and they said, "Jesus, this dude keeps like screwing me over and keeps hurting me. How many times should I forgive him? One chance, two chance, five chances, seventy times." And Jesus said, actually, 70 times 7 is the amount of times you're supposed to forgive that person. And it doesn't mean like 487 is the cutoff. (laughs) Jesus is saying, there is no number. Because you, if I kept track of all the times you sinned, it would be far more than 70 times 7. And I love you, and I forgive you. And so he's saying, it's a way for us to like understand what God did for us, and for us to do it for other people. And he told countless parables about this. Because it was so important. Make sure you forgive others. Make sure you forgive others. Make sure you forgive others. And so at the end of the model prayer, it says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. It says this. And so like after he praises, he like exclaims more about forgiving others. So he goes back into this a couple of verses later. He says, this is a very heavy verse, by the way. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. It's like, whoa. Jesus, what, what are you saying here? There's never, ever, 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 ever a reason to hold back forgiveness from anybody. But what about this? No. But what about this? This person abused me in this way. No. What about this? This person did this to me in this way. It's like, no, it's like, we got to forgive. We got to forgive. We got to forgive. Why? It's because God is a forgiving God. Amen? Think about this. If you guys are here today and somebody just has a hard time forgiving somebody in your life, maybe a very legitimate wrong that was done to you, think about Jesus for a second. Think about Jesus. The God of the universe who literally could snap his fingers and burn the entire world with a snap of the finger. He sits on a throne in heaven. He comes down to earth to die for the sins of the world and to offer himself as a sacrifice to the world. And so he brings himself down with us. And he is arrested. And after he's arrested, he's smacked in the face, punched in the face, spit in the face. He's stripped naked and sexually insulted in front of everyone because he's naked. And they put a crown of thorn on his heads and mock him and beat him and spit on him and joke about him and gamble away his clothes, the God of the universe. And what is one of the last things he says on the cross after he's nailed to the cross? Saying, God, forgive them for they do not know what they do. After all that, the last thing he says is, God, forgive them. God, forgive them. So we have, we are without excuse not to forgive somebody in our life. It's incredibly, incredibly important that we do not hold back forgiveness. It's such, it's so important. And so I want to, like, there's a couple different wrongs. Like, so if, if somebody, like, if there's any conflict in the church, that needs to be dealt with right away. And what I mean by dealt with is not like, you call the pastor in and say, hey, this person made me mad. You go deal with it. No, I'm, I'm not going to deal with everybody's conflict. And I don't think our staff should. It's like you guys simply call somebody aside and say, hey, 
um, we need to talk about this. And you deal with your conflict and you move on. It could be awkward. It could not be awkward. But that's the only way the church is going to operate as the church needs to be, is if we deal with our conflict and not run from our conflict, right? And so there's a couple different offenses I want to just highlight, all right? I'll just do two right now. There's, prob- there's probably three, but there's two. The first category is a minor offense, all right? This is a minor offense. Uh, very simple. Um, you might not need to confront anybody with that. You might just need to be like Elsa and Frozen and just let it go, right? I won't, I won't sing for you the song, but really— the minor offenses that happen to you, y'all should just give those to Jesus and move on. If you can. If you can let it go and give it to Jesus and move on, you should. A minor offense would be that somebody gave you a weird look in the hallway at church, or maybe the coffee wasn't out when you went up to get it, and now you're somehow offended by that. Like, that's just stuff you need to give to Jesus and just say, I'm going to let this go. And if you can let it go, and show grace to that person who, you, who wronged you in a little way, it's best to do that. Just let it go. Um, the second is more of a legitimate offense, and this is where um, talk needs to happen between you and somebody who's offended you. So we need to forgive other people, and if it, if it requires a conversation, then we need to follow Matthew 18. And many of you who have been coming a while, you know we talk about Matthew 18 all, all the time. And if you haven't heard it, it's good to take notes today because we'll talk about Matthew 18 all the time here. And I'll say, you know, you're upset. You need to Matthew 18 that thing and have yourself a little Matthew 18 meeting. And they're like, what do you mean? Well, read Matthew 18. Um, and I'll show it to you here. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 17 says this. I think it would be on the screens for you. Um, it says this. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Another way to look at that is if your brother or sister sins against you, you go and talk to them, just the two of you. So this is like the first stage, is like, just talk to them. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Another translation is you have won a brother or sister. Like, brothers are born out of adversity. Sisters are born out of adversity. Hey, this was an awkward conversation. It was weird. All of us here hate conflict. But because we had the conflict, we are now much stronger because of it. And I will be the first to admit There are some people in here, there's some people that don't go here, Christian brothers and Christian sisters that I've had some conflict with, and it made us much stronger because of it. Like, we are like really like close because of this conflict, Um, and it's good. And so you've won them over. It says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if you try to talk to them one-on-one, and it doesn't go good, that conversation just falls flat, it didn't go good, then ask somebody else to go with you. This could be maybe like a Christian leader. It could be a Christian mentor in the church. It could be anybody in the church. Bring them with you. But do you notice when somebody sins against you, you are not supposed to start out by gossiping about that to five people in the church. It does not say that. It leads that out. And so that's where we talk about gossip is if like, Becky sins against me in some way. I go to three other people and just say, man, Becky ticked me off, and oh, I'm just venting. Or, you know, I'm just venting. Or if I say, hey, you know, Jeff, I have a prayer request. Becky's super mean, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Pray for her. That's my prayer request. You know, I got a prayer request. She is such a selfish, evil person. You know, that's not a prayer request. That's just gossip. So we— We should not do that. 
under any circumstance. And this is what's hard because the temptation is going to be to tell other people instead of the one person who offended you. You got to go to that person one-on-one and talk to them. And honestly, when you do that, it shows your maturity. It'll be good. They'll listen. You know, we don't go to the comment section on Facebook and, and, or vent on, you know, it's just go to that person one-on-one. If they don't listen, bring somebody else along and say, hey, um, I think we need somebody to help us mediate this. Do you care if I bring in an elder? You know, can I bring in Brian and help us work through this? And they're like, sure, we can talk about it. And he helps mediate. Um, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And this could be interpreted in different ways on how churches apply it. It could be that we just talk to the elder board about it. If it's an offense, it needs to go to the elder board. We could talk to the elder board about it, and that could represent the church. Um, I'm not going to come up here and be like, hey, guys, did you tell you we tried to meet with Becky? It didn't work, you know, so on and so forth. It could, like a church is any cluster of members. It could be that we do that with. And we've done that before here as an elder board is we told it to the elders, and the elders had to intervene. And the elders in a church are a sur- super important role because the elders— are called overseers of the church, and they have a judicial function to, to help make these decisions in the church. That's why God established a group of overseers, not just one man. So I'm not like the end-all ruler of the church, even though I'm the, like, the lead pastor. We have a collection of elders that I actually submit to, and they actually oversee me, and we submit to each other. So not one person makes all the decisions. Um, so they talk to the church. If they refuse to listen to the church— Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. What does that mean? How would you treat a pagan or a tax collector? Some churches interpret this like, get out of here. You're not welcome here anymore. I don't know. We don't treat pagans and tax collectors like that, (laughs) right? We love pagans and tax collectors, right? We got a whole two rows up here that we can give to pagans and tax collectors. No offense. You're in the front two rows or you guys over here, you're in the front two rows. The front row is open right now, and I love it if prostitutes and pagans and tax collectors took those spots. So it doesn't necessarily mean boot them out of the church. There are instances where we kick somebody out of the church, but it's usually a wolf in sheep's clothing type of situation where they're teaching false things. They're stirring dissension. They're causing problems. Those people need to be asked not to come back after we've tried to talk to them a number of times. Does that make sense? Um, and that's okay. That's okay. So we need to follow Matthew 18. And Matthew 18 is our guide. Jesus gave us this guide to dealing with conflict in the church. It's not always easy. It's not always pretty, but it's good, and it's from the Lord, and we should do it if we have a legitimate offense. The other offense, I'll, I'll give three, even though they're not on the screen. The other one is The other one is, number one, is like a life-changing offense, like we kind of talked about, abuse. Or like some of us know some, like a loved one that, or I shouldn't say some of us. On a rare occasion, we might know somebody who was murdered, and then there's a murder. That's a life-changing offense. Still have to, are charged with forgiving them. Many of us were abused or molested or, you know, raped, and we are called to forgive even those people. And and it's it's not going to be, as easy as maybe like somebody ticked you off and called you names behind your back, but we are still called to bring those before the Lord and forgive them, those people. Not just for their sake, but more importantly for our sake. Because if we don't, a root of bitterness will grow in our hearts. Satan will use that to tear us down. 
And so all offenses we need to bring before the Lord. And there might be a time where somebody's abused you or hurt you, and they're not even alive anymore. Like maybe they passed away. Or maybe they just moved and you, there's no way to communicate. You can still forgive them in your heart before the Lord and say, God, this is very hard, but I want to forgive this person. And many people say in the church, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. And I'll just say this. The term forgive and forget is not a biblical term. <laughs> there's no such thing as forgive and forget. Because you're not going to forget. You know, you've been wronged. You have a scar. You've been wounded. It never says in the Bible, forgive and forget that flippantly. The hard work of forgiveness is two parts. It's one time giving forgiveness, and then it's every day living out that forgiveness. And when you see that person, you might feel your heart twist inside, and you continually, day by day, as we talked about last week, give that offense back to Jesus. Amen? It's, day, it's one time, and it's day by day. And you may not forget it, and it may follow you around, and it's just keep giving it back to Jesus. And it is not saying that you have to be brothers or sisters with that person, and you have to have tea with them every other day. Um, you may never talk to them again. But in your heart, you can still say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Very important. Does anybody have any questions about that? I thought I wanted to ask that because I believe this is such an important topic. And as I said, Jesus on the cross, the last thing he said was, God, forgive them. And we have people here that are struggling. Maybe you're online, maybe you're in person, that are just struggling with unforgiveness, saying, I can't forgive. And Jesus is saying right here, like it's almost like unforgiveness is a litmus test of your salvation. And he's saying, if you can't forgive, then you don't understand what God did for you. And he said, if you don't forgive, the Father won't forgive you. And so if you can't bring yourself to forgiving anybody, then this time, when we have this alone prayer time, it's not for you to, to do that. It's for you to come to Jesus in repentance and ask forgiveness of your sins, right? And so it's like, it's a litmus test of our own salvation. As if we've truly brought it to God. Is if we truly understand what the cross did for us. Maybe we have minimized our sin where we feel like, I'm a pretty good person. I've never screwed up that bad. Or we just maximize the sin of other people so much so that we can't forgive them. And, and God makes a huge deal of it and says we need to do it. We need to understand the cross and what Jesus did and understand his forgiveness. So during this communion time, I want you guys to do two things. It's simply what it said here in this verse. Ask God for forgiveness of your sins. If you have any unconfessed sins, now is the time to confess them. Um, and it doesn't have to be here. You can do it at home later. But now is the time. And if you have something on your mind, confess it before God. And also, if anybody comes to mind who you're saying, I can never forgive that person, the first thing we need to do is repent of that and say, God, I'm sorry for saying that and ask God for forgiveness of your sins, and then offer forgiveness to that person in your heart. Because this is such a critical part of the church, and unforgiveness will tear you apart, but also tear apart the church if unforgiveness keeps going. And so um, we're going to take some time to do that. So here's our instructions. I believe we have a slide for you guys, if you forget. Um, so you guys can spread out a little bit. 
um, if you want, there's, you guys can just go in the lobby if you want. Take t- or you can just stay where you're at. Um, take time and spend um, and, and pray by yourself, just you and God. Examine yourself. Do I have any unconfessed sin? Is there anything in my life that's hindering my prayers like we talked about? Um, is there anyone I need to forgive? And when you're finished, walk up front over here and grab the communion elements and take them to your seat and wait until the very end and we'll all take communion together. Um, and if you feel like, A, you can't confess your sin right now, or B, you can't forgive somebody else, then I just ask that you don't come up and take communion right now and you can wait till the next time we do it. Um, to stay in line with that said, is like if you're going to offer your gift, wait until you've forgiven that person. So if you need to not take communion today, that's totally cool as well. So take, a, take about five minutes or so and just pray on your own. And then when you feel ready, come up and grab the communion. When I feel like everybody's had a chance to grab the communion, I will, um, we'll all take it together, okay? Let me pray. God, we thank you so much for your forgiveness that you offer us. That no matter what we do, what we say, what we think, God, if we come to you in repentance and ask for forgiveness, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And God, help us extend this forgiveness for anyone who may be offended us. And Lord, I pray that you bring to mind anybody that we're harboring unforgiveness against, that we could just lay that at the foot of the cross, remembering, God, that when you were nailed on the cross, you were praying forgiveness of those who were doing it. And so you want us to make sure that we are not harboring any, we're not holding back grace, we're not holding back forgiveness from anybody. So God, help us spend time, give us peace of mind to just spend time right now and pray to you in silence. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.